It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where, of course, we talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Indianapolis Community News, and today, we're continuing on the player review series. Adam kicked us off yesterday with Aaron Holiday. Did a great job with that. Talking about his step forward and what it could mean for his future. Today, I am going to dive in on the rookie, Goga Batadze. We're kind of doing younger players earlier on. We were planning on doing four players this week. And then the Vic rumor came out and the coaching search got a little updated and then Vic spoke on uh, Fat Joe's show on Instagram today uh, so Adam will not be doing a player season review tomorrow he'll be updating uh, on some other newsy stuff but we got to do two anyway and I'm excited to do my first one which is Goga me and Adam usually draft which players we get to do and I really wanted to do Goga's because I thought his rookie season was kind of polarizing and it's interesting it's going to be interesting to talk about uh, so Goga Batadze, really, really the whole his whole career has been tough because right away, the, uh, like the pick at 18 was met with head slamming and you know what are they doing? And some of that is because of the positions, but also like another Euro center. Why are they drafting centers in the current NBA stuff like that? It, it was kind of surprising. I would admit I was surprised. Like when me and Adam were prepping for the draft on the show last year, we literally didn't talk about centers. We did a whole tier of centers that we were just like, all right, if they're not going to pick centers. And like if they do, here's our rankings. Uh, I think we both had Goga and Bull Bulls, our top two centers. Either way, it was a surprising pick. And every Euro guy I talked to was like, he's awesome. He's going to be great. And then he was up and down. So Let's dig into his season and see how he can justify his draft position in the future or stuff like that. So um, 54 games out of 73 played. I think that is an interesting place to start. That isn't super astronomically awesome. In fact, for a lot of teams, that's not great. But he wasn't, like, injured or anything. And for the Pacers, who this is actually something I've heard as a criticism of McMillan from former Pacers players, is he doesn't play as – he didn't play as young guys, like, ever. Goga getting on the floor for – uh, over five sevenths of their games, including some important bubble games. Uh, not playing in the playoffs was bad, but that regular season ratio is pretty good. It shows the faith that the coaching staff in general had with him. Uh, already having professional experience in Europe was helpful there. Uh, and the two starts, which if you'll remember early, early in the season when Sabonis and Turner were both hurt, like I think the sixth and seventh game, I think, or like re- really early in the year, they had to start him, and he he did an okay job. They won one of those games, and then they got totally robbed of a win in Charlotte um, in the second night of those games. But, you know, he was able to play a, a lot for a rookie in the Pacers system, and given that, you know, people thought, why are they picking a center? They already have two young centers. This guy's not going to play. The fact that he was able to play so much uh, also shows, you know, maybe that 
we were we being me who covered that as a strange pick and fans who were like what the hell maybe we're a little too aggressive with that stance but uh, regardless the, this game's played stat is not the most important thing he did you know he obviously had to play he had to show what he can do and the tough part about using his stats as a barometer is 8.7 minutes per game means his stats are going to look really small and the Pacers trotted him out in garbage time a lot so he got a lot of games where he had you know two here's a stretch of of three games in a row he had uh December 9th he played two minutes and 10 seconds December 11th he played two minutes and one second and then December 13th he played 59 seconds right so those all count as appearances which maybe the number I just said of 54 is a little high in that case but his minutes per game number is going to look a little low when in reality in game two is in the rotation he usually played closer to 10 to 15 minutes in those games you know when they had a center out or when there was foul trouble in the games they actually needed him he played more like in the bubble with no Sabonis he played 1041, 1218, 529, 1642, and then 1618, right? They really leaned in on him more when he was actually in the rotation. So using his stats are not going to look great. Um, 3.2 points per game, two rebounds per game were, were the ending numbers. But again, because the, the minutes were so low and skewed by a lot of low minute performances, you can you can interpret. See, the low minutes is what people were saying in the draft. Like, this guy's not going to play. That's the number you would point to and say, look, he only played eight minutes a game. Why are they picking this guy 18? There's your ammo if you still think the Goga pick was a bad pick. Is his minutes numbers were low. But regardless, uh, converting those numbers to per 36s, which un- understood dangerous uh, exercise, but still 13.1 points, 8.1 rebounds. Solid rookie numbers uh, to, to do that in 30 minutes. And I think something about Goga that was good is he shot well from inside the arc, which sounds stupid. He's a seven-foot tall person, but... Uh, given his frame, he's uh, he's kind of small. Um, he he was kind of touted for his shooting, which didn't materialize, and that's something I want to talk about later. Actually, right now, this is the stat section of the of the show. But you know, the fact that he he shot seventy seven percent at the rim this season, seventy eight percent actually, and then from like three to ten feet, so like floater range, basically, he was over fifty percent as well. So his touch in the paint and in the restricted area was pretty good, and that that was impressive to me this year. He didn't get a ton of opportunities in that area in general you know they, they kind of had him operating on the perimeter and not not really like in a passing role necessarily but uh, it felt like a lot more of his touches were further away from the rim but when he did get get uh, around the basket things were pretty good and uh, like 43 percent of his shots were inside 10 feet so uh, that finishing was really impressive to me um, and a good a good start for him given what I expected from him on offense now the other thing is the flip side of that is you know, all the shooting stuff, right? He was touted as a good shooter. Uh, he looked like a good shooter and all the other stuff I saw in Europe. Now, he didn't take hardly any, only 42 threes, right? It's hard to have any sweeping generalizations about his shooting from just that. But 8 for 42, 19%. Did not look like a good three-point shooter at all this season. So the stretch big stuff was not there yet. But a lot of people say that three, free throw shooting is a good indicator of good shooters. He shot 73% from the free throw line, which is good for center. So I'd imagine his three-point percentage ends up similar to Miles Turner's. And he was a willing shooter for sure. You know, taking one a game uh, in 8.7 minutes is is, is good. Uh, per 36, over three attempted, which is good. And I think he was, you know, as he was adjusting to the speed of the NBA game and just being a rookie with general yips, I think that number will go up in general. So uh, his stat line... Honestly, I think re- reflects pretty well the kind of guy he was. Um, the, the, the minutes withstanding, but 
you know, decent score on on moderately good efficiency. I think his true shooting percentage ended up just shy of league average uh, because his threes were so bad. But you know, if it, I I do not expect him to be a 19% three point shooter for his career either. He'll figure it out, or he just won't shoot them. So his efficiency will immediately go up from that. And you know, quality enough rebounding numbers. Um, although most of that coming on the defensive end is he again still in the perimeter on offense, but uh, mostly good stats for him. I thought. Uh, in his minutes but the, the 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 truth is in the details with him and that's what I want to get to next is talking about the skills he showed his rookie year what they mean what they could they could talk, be in the future so in the next segment we'll get we'll get a little more granular on Goga Batade's rookie season but first I want to talk to you guys about DoorDash because between the never-ending laundry cycles incoming emails and busyness of your daily life you've got plenty on your to-do list I had a ton to do today I'm recording this after the finals game it's super late Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. It's an app that brings you the food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting they have with over 300,000 partners. You can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and use that code, all one word, LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget that code, LOCKEDONNBA, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Goga Batadze skills and lack thereof. That's what I have named this segment on my sheet of preparation for this. We're going to talk about that right now. Do not forget, you can follow this podcast on Twitter at Locked On Pacers. Please leave us reviews on iTunes. I want to see more of those. I want to know how people feel about the show because someone said some things about our Monday show about the point guards and I want to hear more thoughts about the show and not thoughts about the content. Any whom, Goga so, he, uh, something I talked about in the first segment was related to his stat of the three-point shooting. He was touted as a shooter. That didn't really materialize. Something else he was touted as, or touted, t- I keep using that word touted, but something else I saw, something else people from Europe talked about, something that got written a lot, in a lot of scouting reports prior to the draft about Goga. He's a good passer. Good passer. Uh, 1.8 assists per 36 minutes. Doesn't really indicate he's a good passer. And I wouldn't say that... He had a lot of passing opportunities. I think a lot of the times he got the ball, what he would do is just like swing it or reverse it to the next guy and then go set a screen. You know, he never was like in a scenario where like Sabonis where they're asking him to set up a dribble handoff or to, you know, be the guy making a, the pass out of a two-man game with someone else. He seems like he's more in the Turner assist category. Um, Turner per 36 in assist this season 1.4. So less than Goga, actually. So he seems like he's like, he was a, I, 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 stat-wise, he's around Turner. But I thought he was a little bit better of a passer than Miles was this year. And that's in his rookie year. Now, Miles, not normally, not a passer, not known for his passing. But 
in general, I think he showed okay ability to like make the what he's supposed to pass, if this makes sense. But his passing wasn't the level I expected from what I read about him and what I saw from him in his Euro film. I thought he was going to be a little more creative or a little more willing to, to fit the ball into tight spaces, right? We've talked about this with Brogdon and Darren Collison comparison, right? A lot of Darren Collison got a lot of assists, but his passing was pretty simple. He made the, the safe pass or like the easy pass where Brogdon makes more daring passes or more difficult passes. So even if their assist raw numbers are similar, one is a much better passer. I think Goga and Turner, you can think of in the same way. Turner's assists are all just like he swings it. And while Goga makes some of those stuff, he has a few more adventurous plays and he had a lot more in his Euro game. Uh, so I guess I was disappointed in his passing, but really it was it was fine. But I think that was something I wanted to highlight in this segment because I think that's the next evolution for him is he's he's pretty high IQ, right? You can see that in sometimes he gets caught in no man's land on defense, but he's he's often at least reading where he's supposed to be. And even, even if it like he, he said earlier in the season, right? It, and this is what every single rookie says. But, you know, the speed of the game, the strength of the game is so fast that like you can see with some rookies, they just have no clue where they're supposed to be and they look totally lost, and they're out of position, and they're just like, oh, you know, they, they kind of throw their hands up when they get beat. Goga had a few of those where, to me, it seems like when he would get beat or realize he was out of position, he would be knowing where he was supposed to be and almost there or like a, a half-step away, stuff that with more reps and more time, he'll be in the right position more often. Same thing with passing where I think sometimes he would register it just a little too late, and as he keeps up with the speed of the game, we've seen this with Sabonis in his development, he will attempt those passes or he'll know that pass is going to be there and he'll be able to make it uh, as he gets more playing time. The other, the big thing for Goga that was covered a lot too, uh, his biggest weakness in, in this season to me on offense, he was one of the worst screen setters like ever. So it's very important with the bigs and, and Sabonis has spoiled Pacers fans for years with this, but it's very important to make contact and you know keeping a wide base, all the little things that are involved with setting a good screen, just watch every Tim Duncan screen ever. Those are all great, but if you don't make, even if you make the perfect technique screen and don't make contact with a defender, there there might as well not have been a screen. You just ran to a spot on the court, basically. Goga made no contact, hardly ever. Right, he was a terrible screener. It felt like for the first ninety percent of the season, and that was a big hindrance for him because basically he was just in the way at that point on the perimeter, and I think that makes it hard for him to do the next thing. With I just talked about with his passing and even his shooting. You know, there's no opening created. Suddenly you're just like moving away from the ball and then you have to make a play. Like, that's just nothing. I think he got better at that in the bubble. And I I, I don't want to, that this is like a lazy crutch to say Gogo is better in the bubble, which he was. But, you know, we've talked about that on the show before. But I think one of the things in the bubble specifically that made life easier for him is his screening was actually better. He made contact on them. He was more aggressive with them. He realized that he needs to use it to create space because a lot of big men and the best big men you know, at screen and rolls, go bear Drummond, whatever. Um, like like play finishers at a pick and roll. That's why I said go bear and Drummond is because they know that if they set a good screen, they can open up the court for themselves, not just the ball handler, right? If the, if the, if the other team has to switch or send extra guys to slow someone else down, someone's going to be open. It's often the big. Goga finally caught up to that in the bubble, and he was pretty bad in that first game against the Suns, but, you know, then he was great against the Lakers, had that block on LeBron, shot really well. That was one of his best games of the season, honestly. And then, again, carried that into the, the final two games when he played over 16 minutes in both. Looked good against the Rockets. Looked good against the Heat. 
he had some good games when his screening came along. He just has to carry that into a full season. I think he can get a little better in that way. And I think that was the skill that stood out the most to me from him this whole season because, I mean, that's how bad he was at it, that it stood out. You never see a screen so bad that you're like, oh, he's a bad screener. This is He's the first player that I've ever felt that way in my entire life. Uh, so that's super interesting. Defense, I've kind of talked about this a little bit. Uh, I, I think it was the first Lakers game during the actual regular season, the one the Pacers won uh, way back in – no, I wasn't – yeah, well, that game had it, but not with Goga. But anyway, back in December, Miles Turner got caught a lot in no man's land, right? He would get up too high on these LeBron pick and rolls, and when you're up too high, you open up the lob. And LeBron's really good at driving and shooting, so you get up high and try to stop LeBron. That's how it works. But then Dwight Howard had 20 points without missing a shot because – LeBron threw the ball right over him. Well, Goga had a lot of plays, not against LeBron, where that kind of stuff happened, where he would get caught in no man's lands too high to the ball when he needed to be a little lower on the low man, whether that was a big or a cutter, to deter them at the rim, to slow down what they were doing. And I think that some of that is in Europe. The ball handlers coming at you aren't even, like obviously LeBron's an outlier here, but even NBA-level talent who has better passing ability or shooting ability that you have to get up on, you can just get up higher and, and ruin the play. They can't make the pass to the big or make the shot if you're on them. Whereas in the NBA, they can. So you have to you know, be a little more nimble or be back farther or have your hips turned already, stuff like that. You know, I think that's where he lacked on defense the most. He was sometimes like, some of, some of this is out of position and some of that, again, is that recovery stuff that Miles is just ridiculously good at. Uh, so I think this will get better, and watching the film and having the guy in-house to, to properly teach him that, I think he'll get better at this. But uh, again, something I, I mentioned earlier, he, he has the read of the game, and I think some of that comes from playing as a pro in Europe. Once he catches up with the speed you know, and realizes where he's supposed to be a little bit sooner, I think that will make his positioning look better in general uh, with his weak side rotations, with his containment of his own man, and in those exact scenarios I just described. So I think that while he did get caught in, in dead man zone a lot, uh, that will improve. And he was a rookie. Everything that he struggled with, shooting, passing, defensively, screening, it's reasonable to expect it all gets better, right? Outside of TJ Leaf, who uh, has had the weirdest, one of the weirdest careers ever, every Pacers first-round pick gets better. It's just, you know, it's natural player development stuff. And, you know, Leaf's a whiff. But when I hear talk about Leaf, we're talking Goga. He'll, he's going to get better. And his baseline of already having pro play in Europe, I mean, makes it seem super likely that he becomes an impact player sooner than the typical rookie arc. So, that's the next thing I want to talk about is taking that skill set, taking the stats he has, and leapfrogging that forward. What is his next evolution going to look like? So I want to talk about that. But first, I got to tell you guys about Rock Auto because with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure seemingly intimidating questioning about your car and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer in the store, choosing only the brand that his warehouse happens to carry when you could, on your own computer that you have access to, go to rockauto.com and do it yourself. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps. Whether it's for your classic daily driver or not, get everything you need on rockauto.com in a few easy clicks. Best of all, they have a really easy-to-navigate uh, catalog. It's super unique. And of course, their prices are always reliably low. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? To know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. 
NBA.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so what's next for Goga is interesting because this was, so this segment here is going to draw back to what I talked about in the draft earlier with some of the reactions because some people, including myself, thought, Maybe not immediately, but it comes to the back of your head when the Pacers pick a center, when they already have Turner and Sabonis, and go, well, damn, one of them's gone, right? And at the time, it wasn't really clear who was better. Now it's kind of obvious, but, uh, you know, what if <laughs> the, the coaching hire is going to happen at some point for the Pacers, and then the rampant speculation about Miles Turner's future will kick up. If he does get traded, Goga's role is going to be much, much bigger next year. I mean, not like like 20 minutes a game big, right? They'll play Sabonis a lot, and maybe they hire a coach who likes small ball, but I think that Goga will, will get up over 10 minutes next year for sure almost automatically and not, you know, like I said, some his minutes is kind of sissy minutes this year because he got a lot of garbage time, but I think he'll have like a legit rotation role next year. I mean, they don't even have a backup four. They're going to need to play someone as a backup big next year. So I think his role will for sure be bigger, especially if they trade one of the centers. If they don't, I'll be really intrigued by what happens with him because it's really rare for a sophomore to just have no role at all, right? Even TJ Leaf coming into his sophomore year and his third year, right? Me and Adam have devised and the Pacers devised a way that like, okay, he's gonna, we're going to start him in the rotation, see how the season goes, see if he can hang around, and if he can't, we'll change things. And I think you can do that with Goga. Whether, you know, if Turner or Sabonis is gone and Goga's your backup center, you sign a third vet guy and you roll out Goga to start the year, and if it's not working, you go with the vet. And you probably do that his third year, too. That's just good, smart business and development. But, you know, I think that that makes a lot of sense to get him more time, to get him developed, to get him in the rotation, to to use the draft pick to better your team. That's the cheap labor you need off the bench. So I'd imagine that even if they keep both centers, right, those, those – Jakar Sampson backup center minutes are going to happen way less next year if Jakar's even back. You know, that, just for example. Uh, and we'll see a lot more Goga as the backup because, I mean, he looked promising at times. Like I said, the bubble was really encouraging. And, you know, as we've seen with Hero now, with lots of guys, these rookies who got extra time to, to come back in the bubble were a little bit better. And Goga was one of them. And I think that is important to note going forward is that we've seen him as at a little improved level, he can carry that into next season. So I think he'll have a bigger role just automatically because of that. Now, the other thing is, I think his playing time is kind of contingent on nailing a few of the things we talked about earlier. If he if he comes into next year and his screening is still bad and he his shooting is still, you know, less than twenty percent from three and he hasn't really materialized much on the defensive end or with his defensive rotations, I don't know that he'll play much more than 10 minutes a game. And they'll just go heavy Sabonis and sprinkle in some of that Jakar kind of stuff. Or maybe 12 minutes and Sabonis plays 36 or something huge because they can't just get killed with him out there. I mean, yeah, it's it's worth running him out and, and having growing pains. I think we've seen that with Aaron Holiday, right? As he chucks and grows, a lot of his errors are helping him get better and realize the balance of his shooting. 
with Goga, that they need that kind of stuff too. But they can't right with Aaron. They took him out of the rotation at times because you can't just always have that. So if some of it's there, like if he's a better three point shooter, but the defense hasn't improved, great. You can still trot him out. But I think. His next evolution next year, especially if he's getting more minutes, he has to show some of that improvement or maintain some of what he had in the bubble. And I think because he had pro experience in Europe, he can do that. Uh, you know, that's really helpful to you know have been playing with pros, have been playing with either former NBA guys or guys with NBA level potential, uh, and be one of the better players on those teams. And the Pacers clearly have high faith in him to pick a guy at a position that is clearly your most set position, uh, basically just right outside the lotto. Uh, in a time of big inflection for your team when you're swapping out a bunch of the roster. I mean, they have to have a ton of faith in him to be good. And I think that I think they're going to really try to get him minutes next year, even if they keep both centers. And I super doubt they will keep both centers. So I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more Goga next year. And I think that, you know, the the Euro center uh, has had some successes and failures of, of, of late in the NBA. But I think they'll try to lean in on, on his strengths a little bit more and try to get him into a few more favorable situations than they did this past season because he didn't get the ball in in situations that let Goga be Goga last year a lot. I think they're going to try to to make that happen more in his sophomore campaign. But I'm looking forward to seeing that and seeing how they the Pacers and Goga build off his rookie year. Right, there were some ups and downs, and if there's more ups than there were the prior year and less downs, then that's a success even if the skill uh, growth isn't super linear and obvious, right? Growth is not always linear. We saw that with Aaron Holiday in his second year. So remember that with Goga next year. And his second year is really important because they don't have a first-round pick coming up. So that's all the stuff for Goga I wanted to talk about. I thought his rookie season was promising is too is too much of a stretch, right? I don't want to use the word promising, but encouraging because – he showed the flashes of stuff we we expected because he played in Europe. Even if he had a lot of, of wow, you know, he can't do that or he's bad at that. I think he had high enough flashes and a strong enough finish for me to maintain the belief I had in him after, you know, doing the research after the draft and talking to people to think he's going to be good someday. So I'm looking forward to his future and seeing how things go. And I'm looking forward to what kind of role he gets depending on the Pacers roster construction next year. But that's all I got on Goga for today. We'll continue more player season recaps like this next week and adam will be back tomorrow to talk team news and things like that thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you then hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today